Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is your second entry preview as we look ahead to the incredible weekend ahead of us. Aintree Racecourse culminating with the Grand National on Saturday. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I am joined, as I was for the Thursday preview, by Odds Checker's very own tipster Andy Holding and Odds Checker betting show regular Rory Delaghi joins us as well. Uh, we've done Thursday. So if you're watching this and you're wondering where day one is, go and check out the Odds Checker YouTube page. You can find it there as well as on the podcast feed as well. We cover the, the weather forecast there where Andy says it's been raining a fair bit where he is about an hour away from Aintree, but Rory's got moles near the course. You say it hasn't rained a, a bit yet. So we're kind of guesswork in terms of the ground itself, but do check those out as well. And we will, we've done enough of the pleasantries. I know that Andy's doing well. I know Rory's doing well. I know they're both very excited for this. So we're going to get straight into the racing on Friday, recording this at about 12.15 on Wednesday. So final decks are just in embryonic markets we're, we're talking through here. So do forgive us if some of these prices do change between now and the time of release. But before we get into it, do download the Odds Checker app as ever for the best odds, free bets, place terms, bookie offers, Andy's tips, as well as all the other tipsters that we have across all the sports straight to the app on the morning of the racing. Right. The 145 uh, is the first uh, race on the day on the Friday. It is the uh, Aldrin Hay and Aintree handicap hurdle over two and a half miles. The massive punt on the last race of the day of the final day at Cheltenham head to the market in Langer Dan. 7-2 was brought down that day. 7-2 bookies taking no chances here. Uh, Ahead of the opener, uh, Cobbler's Dream six to one, Highway one hundred two nine to one, Speech Bubble nine to one, Paddy's Motorbike, uh, Balco Coastal, Feed Dairy all eleven to one, Brimfield Berg, Politess, Tronador all fourteen to one, sixteen to one bar, twenty two set to line up. Andy, as I say, these prices are hot off the press, so it could be subject to a fair bit of change. But from what you're seeing at this early stage, who who catches the eye? Uh, again. Um... I usually let the ball try and come onto the bat in these races most of the time without sort of having to delve too deep into, into um, you know, horses returning to form and weights and measures and all that. And the one that's snuck in right down the bottom is the one for me here, Peking Rose. Um, horse that's been very consistent throughout um, its novice career so far. Just the forums over hurdles. But um, all of them have been a fairly high standard. Um, he's taken on quite a few hot pots, if you like. Uh, he was in a good novice hurdle first time at Ascot beyond Kendu Kid. That race has worked out well. He then won at Newbury next time out. And he, he got beat by uh, Lacta Constance, a horse that Dan Skelton thinks quite a bit of. But that was probably a byproduct of a very, very bad mistake at the, I think it was the third last when he was still in front. He then took on Gino Bellino, uh, oh, sorry, Gino Bello last time out, back at the um, Newbury track. And I think Paddy Brennan was soon to accept that he wasn't going to beat Paul Nichols' charge, probably from two down. He loomed up challenging and there was a for a moment that he, he looks as though he might go by but the class of the winner just um gained the day in the end but uh he's come out of that race with a mark of 130 and if you cast him eye back 12 months ago this all split nappers hill and none other than stage star in the uh the champion bumper here mm. and you look at the horses that were in behind him that day i mean it was a very very good race i mean balco colster was well beat when he was favorite there's been loads of other horses that's coming out of that such as fruit and nut super six fine casting uh, you name it, the Mo and Mo was absolutely tailed off. It was just a very, very good bumper last year. So the fact that this horse has had a spin around the track has got to stand it in good stead. I think stepping up to two miles, uh, sorry, two and a half miles is, is is definitely the right thing to do. And as I said, the uh, that's that's the one that just jumps out at me. What what price is it? Sixteen to one? Did you say? 
16 to 1, yeah. Wow, that, that does look a big price. I think I don't I I can't see a better handicapped horse than that as far as I could see. So I don't know what Rory thinks, but um yeah, Peking Rose will do for me. Peking Rose, the one for Andy at uh yeah, a surprisingly big price, judging by your tone mm. at sixteen to one. So, yeah. Um I, I I wouldn't certainly put you off uh, Peking Rose. Um got the right kind of profile for this. Um I I quite like um Politesse here of what looks a, a potentially um, lenient handicap mark. She was a very good um, bumper mare for, for Lorna Fowler. Uh, Lorna, who's um, done very well in the last uh, year or two, had um, she had one runner at Cheltenham, um, Colonel Muster finishing a very good third mm-hmm. in the county hurdle. Uh, Polly Tess in the same colours, uh, well, not the same colours, but in the same, in the same uh, owned by the same partnership in different, uh, different um, amounts, I guess. Uh, she was third to Longhouse Poet and Monkfish um, in a bumper at, uh, at Punchestown um, and then went on to be, um, uh, to be second in a grade two event, uh, the uh, deep run uh, bumper at, uh, at Leopardstown. Uh, this is a, a couple of seasons ago, but I mean, that, the form is, is, is very good. Um, she was runner up to, uh, to a mare called Darling Daughter. The third, fourth, fifth, sixth and eighth all one next time out um and she's shown useful form over hurdles um since then she's gone chasing and she's kept very good company again um but i don't think she's a natural jumper offenses she has made a couple of mistakes um thus far uh she unseated her rider behind cape gentleman at, at corpon last seen in october um but she's um you know she's she's developed pretty well and I think it's interesting she's back over hurdles because although she won um, her novice chase at, uh, at Punchestown um, in May, I, I think she will be a, um, a bigger force over hurdles. Uh, the, she's got uh, relatives who've run very well here before. She's got a half sister who runs in the uh, the mare's bumper as well, Naughty Ness, who we didn't uh, we didn't mention on that. Who's got a solid chance. But yeah, she's got a she's got a decent record. She handles good ground. She would like a little bit of rain, I think. Um, but she doesn't need it hock deep. And the handicapper doesn't have an awful lot to go on with her, and given her a mark of 132, which compares very favourably with her Irish mark. Uh, so I don't know whether the, the British handicapper maybe has a bit of a crush on Lorna Fowler, but uh, <laughs> Colonel Mustard was able to race off his Irish mark at Cheltenham, and uh, Polly Tess is able to race off just two pounds higher than her Irish mark, despite the fact she's completely unexposed um, over hurdles. So I think she's an interesting contender towards the bottom of the weights there. 10 stone 10, and Connor Orr. Um, who's had a very good time of things recently. Obviously, he, he rode very well, I thought, at Cheltenham in the county hurdle. And uh, since then, he's, of course, won the Midlands National in Screaming Colours. So he's a, a young jockey uh, with a lot of um, uh, a lot of confidence at the moment. And uh, Lorna's used Connor uh, for the last couple of seasons, and he seems to be really blooming as a rider at the moment. So uh, I think she's got a, um, a decent chance, and she might just go under the radar as well. She could be a decent price in this contest. Um, the other one I was going to mention uh, was Noel Williams's um, mare, uh, who will be uh, a little bit uh, down towards the bottom of the weights as well, Speech Bubble. Now, Speech Bubble was due to run in the mare's final at Newbury last week, and she was taken out because of the, uh, the quick round. Um, interestingly, on her penultimate start, she won uh, a, um, a qualifier for that final at Newbury, and the mare who won, Largy G, was 17 mm. lengths behind her that day. So that form has already worked out very well. 
I get the impression of the handicapper had a chance to reassess that. He probably put her a few pounds higher as well. So she's uh, on my short list um, with a, a fairly lightweight as well. Which one was that? A speech bubble. Speech bubble. Um, speech bubble is uh, finding the yeah, price. He, pull, he pulled her out on account of the ground, didn't he? Speech bubble nine to right, one. Yeah. Yeah, so she would she would need enough um, enough rain to, to give her a chance here. But of course, Noel knew that he had another he had yeah. a good sub in that race, so mm -hmm. um, he might be more inclined to risk her here in good to soft ground. Yeah, nine to one speech bubble and Politess, the other one uh, for Rory is fourteen to one. Uh, on then to the two twenty, the top novices hurdle, uh, and John Bon is the even money favourite after finishing a distant second, uh, wasn't it, Andy, behind Constitution Hill uh, in the Supreme Novice Hurdle. Uh, El Fabiolo three to one, First Street five to one, Surprise Package ten to one, uh, Oaken Risk twelve to one, uh, Vina Adranza twenty to one, twenty five to one bar, and it's a difficult one, I guess, isn't it, trying to work out that kind of the form of John Bond, um, where you know he, he's he's finished second in a in a Supreme, where the, where the winner looks like something pretty special, but the race wasn't run to those uh you know john bond backers would have been particularly happy to see how quickly uh, he went from the front and took on dice dynamo so how do you view john bond as, a, as an even money shot here uh, andy um well you know he's obviously had a, a hard race and uh, whichever way you strip it down so we can't contradict ourselves and say well this had a hard race that had a hard race and not not deal with him in isolation say oh no he'll be fine um do i want to take even money about him probably not but do expect him to win, or he's 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 definitely got the 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 standout piece of form to win. When I mean, we are dealing with the supreme novices, that was freakish in the way it was won. Uh, I mean, we've we've talked about Constitution Hill subsequently, suggesting that he's the only horse capable of probably beating Honeysuckle. Um, mm. he's, he's that good, and the time figure was the best of the festival. You know, of all the twenty-eight races run, that the supreme novices was the standout time figure. So even in getting beat twenty odd lengths, he still comes out well clear of this mob. Uh, and that includes Fabiolo, um, who was very impressive at Tremor. Uh, the wise guys will probably be on him because he's obviously fresh and, you know, William Mullins is prepared to throw the dice on, on, a, on a horse who has been targeted at spring festivals uh, specifically. But, look, you know, John Bond doesn't have to get embroiled in what he did in the Supreme Novice. There's no way that that scenario is going to happen again where he's, he's chasing a suicidal pace and, obviously, he was the one... He was the main one that paid for it. But look, he still beat the rest fair and square and um, despite chasing that ridiculous pace. I just think he's yeah. a very, very classy horse. Um, and yeah, I, I, like I say, he's not my kind of bet. He's just not my kind of horse I want to be lumping on at even money. But do I want to be opposing him with anything in particular? Being the time figure man, I can't come on here and say, well, you know, this has got about... 20 spots to find, but I think it'll turn, I think it's good enough <laughs> to beat John Bond because it, it, it just isn't in my nature to do that either. So I'll probably sit it out and, and hope that John Bond wins to back, to boost the former Constitution Hill. Stop press. Andy Holding sits out at Novice Idol. Um, stranger things just on a, Just on, on, a, on a count of price, really. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's definitely much rather you come on here and be honest about the way you see things rather than putting up something you wouldn't back yourself. Um, Rory, how do you see this? Uh, yeah, I... I wouldn't massively disagree with Andy on that. Although I would ask, how does, um, in terms of your time figures, how much do you have First Street having defined? Um, not, not, not an absolute massive chasm. I mean, he's he's running the um, Betfair. Uh, the Glory and Fortune did uh, seventy-seven when he won the sorry seventy-six when he won the Newbury race. So he comes out as running sort of seventy-four, seventy-five, and finishing second. 
uh, whereas John Bond um, comes out similar um, on, on his run beyond Constitution Hill. Yeah. So there's not a huge amount of difference actual on, on a pure number, as it were, but it was just just the fact that he was involved in such a, a strongly run eighty. It was an eighty-three, the on eighty-four that the, the, the we awarded um, um, Constitution Hill. So that, you know, he, you, obviously, he he went through he went through the ceiling and beyond. Um, yes. And because he paid for running in that kind of level of, of competition, you would, he would you'd be up, getting you'd upgrade him. You'd his figure, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just in case of whether it's left a mark on him. I thought, exactly. um, I thought First Street was a decent each way bet on this race. Not that I expect him. I wouldn't make a case to say that he should be beating John Bond, but I, I, his his form is rock solid. He's he's been placed in two of the strongest, the two strongest handicap hurdles of the season, in the Betfair hurdle and in the county. And the, the the county hurdle winner is a Grade One horse, isn't he? Oh he's yeah, be, sure. he's going to be a yeah, hot, yeah, yeah. hot favourite for a great one next time he runs. Uh, so to to finish second off a mark of one four two was a was a very good performance. He he's pretty easy to uh, to place in a race. Um, he's come home well uh, both at Newbury and at Cheltenham. Uh, I can't see him not running his race, and you know you get your money back if he finishes second or third. So he looks like a, a fairly boring, obvious, <laughs> small each way play in that contest. That that was the that was the fastest handicap hurdle of the week, by the way. Yeah. The, I think one of the, actually one of the fastest handicap <clears throat> full stop that um, county hurdle. So, so there's definitely uh, no negatives for as I can see with that. Yeah, the the form. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Colonel Mustard. I thought he ran a, an absolutely yeah. smashing race, did everything right, and just find a find a horse who's clearly a Grade One horse too good for him. And for First Street to to split the pair, uh, I thought that was that's unimpeachable form. So he's bound to be there or thereabouts. Yeah. And, and West Cork didn't do the form any harm, did he? At <clears throat> Saturday, no, so. not at all, not at all. I thought he might bounce from that, but he actually ran a pretty good race again. So that just backs yep. it up. First Street, the one there for Rory to have a small each way bet at uh, five to one. So as as he says, money back if, uh, if First Street finishes in the three. Of course, copying a, a nice winner if uh, if he finishes in front. Uh, on then to the two fifty five, the third race of the day, and it is the Mildmay Novices Chase, where Brave Man's Game uh, and Long Press. This is a titanic battle uh, between two of the most exciting chases in the game at the moment five to four brave man's game long press six to four and don't uh, forget of course about ahoy senor five to one uh, the third favorite here with fury road making up the four um here at 14 to one uh, rory no shortage of quality uh, despite just four runners here um are you seeing this as a match between the two are you you were sweet on ahoy senor's potential uh, going forward uh, in the Cheltenham preview yeah ahoy senor did well to, to finish within three and a half lengths of, of long press a Giving he made mistakes at at um, every ditch at Cheltenham. Essentially, I think there was one ditch he jumped okay, but essentially every time he saw a ditch, he seemed to um, to find the life out of himself and and made a mistake and lost ground. Either good in good in you know, he can clearly see they're different to other fences and it seems to confuse him. So he puts the brakes on a little bit into his ditches. I thought he ran very well in the circumstances, and I retain faith in a horse in your that he can do a lot better when everything clicks, but. Um, I'd have to say you, you can't you can't help but be impressed by by Lompresse, and um, we've got the wrong favourite here. There's no way Brave Man's Game should be favourite ahead of Lompresse, in my view. And I'm and I I, I like Brave Man's Game. I I'm, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to knock him at all. But while his jumping is is generally very good, and you know he went up against Itchy Feet at at Haydock in November and jumped him silly, and then he jumped um a horse in your largely silly at Kempton. I think Lompresse is just a better jumper than him mm. because he's very quick through the air. 
And he's also very quick away from his fences. And that's probably the one negative with Brave Man's game. He's very good in the air. And you tend to have, your eye tends to be taken by the shape he makes over his fences. Um, but he's not super quick away from them. It's not a major problem. And obviously, he's, he's won all his starts over fences to date. Um, and um, he looks good in doing it. But you look at Lon Presse's um, jumping, the ground he gains in the air. He's able to take off behind horses, gain ground, and then quicken away from his fences. And that's what he did to a horse in your. A horse in your set out to make all the running in the Brian advisory. And Charlie Deutsch was able just to come past him using his jumping, not, not trying to ask him for more speed to get to the front, uh, and then just ease in front of a horse in your. Um, and he'll, you know, I think he'd prefer a bigger field given that um, the better a jumper you are, the more you want to put your other your rivals under pressure. But he should be favourite for this. He shouldn't be six to four against Brave Man's games five to four. Um, he should be a shade of odds on based on what we've seen of them thus far. As I said, I still, you know, I still hope that a hoist in your will bounce back. But my problem with a hoist in your at the moment is um, in his early starts over fences, what I would have said was, yeah, he just needs he just needs a bit more experience. He'll be fine. He can jump very well most of the time. He makes the occasional mistake, but with experience, he'll iron that out. It's now clear to me that he jumps playing fences fine, and he can't jump ditches, and it's becoming a bit of a potentially a mental block for him that he needs to learn to see a ditch and realize that he can he's got the scope to take it, um, because the, what he did at Cheltenham was it was almost like he could see the these ditches coming and going. I don't like these. And mm. he was he wasn't uh, he wasn't approaching them with the same confidence he was with playing fences. Interestingly, at Newbury, he made a mistake uh, when he was impressive early in the season. Made a mistake at um, I think the first ditch, and he also made a mistake at the water jump. So it's these unusual fences that he can't deal with. Um, and I think with with extensive schooling, he'll get over that. But he hasn't had the opportunity between Cheltenham and Entry to have that kind of schooling. So I think we'll probably have the same issue with him again. He will look good at most of his fences but he will lose ground at a few. And I don't think you can lose ground at your fences against a horse like Lompresse. Um, I think he could, you know, he's beaten Brave Man's game here last year. And I've always maintained that if you watch that race again, uh, you'll see that a horse in your is just the better horse on the day. Um, there've been a few theories about that, that Brave Man's game was over the top, that he gave a horse in your too much rope. But if you look at the um, uh, the figures um, for that last year, compare them to what Brave Man's game was doing previously, he's run up to form. And Ahoysenor didn't get loose on the lead. He, he was just relentless there. His jumping was very good over the hurdles and he kept galloping and he outstayed Brave Man's game. And he, you know, potentially he can outstay Brave Man's game again here if he can cut the, the mistakes out. But it's very hard, even for me as a fan of Ahoysenor, to say that he will beat Lompresse. I think Lompresse, um, I think it's very surprising he's not favourite for this. Lompresse should be the fav uh, there for Rory. Six to four best price at the moment, uh, Andy. Uh, are you are you agreeing again? It seems like you guys are agreeing on everything this uh, this week. Yeah, um, I, just based on pure time figures, yeah, Lompresse should be favourite. Um, we're still waiting for Brave Man's going to run beyond the 70 time figure, which is extraordinary for a horse who's considered to be a grade <laughs> one horse. Um, yeah, Lompresse's done it three times this season. 76 he, he recorded when he won the RSA. Uh, or the brand advisor, or whatever you want to call it nowadays. Um, and his stamina was very much the key component as well. We, that was the only thing we didn't know whether he would, um, what he, you know, whether he was capable of achieving at Cheltenham. But he answered that in the affirmative, didn't he? It was a real filthy day. It, it put a real emphasis on stamina. And he came through that examination with his best ever time figure. He did it the hard way as well. He took it up from a long way out. I don't think we 
envisaged on press picking up, but he probably got there because Hoisin Yo had made all those mistakes at the ditches, which Rory's alluded to. Funny enough, he was really good at the final ditch at the top of the hill, but the three other attempts, yeah. he dragged his hind legs through them, um, which uh, Rory's obviously eagle-eyed in spotting. So that's mm-hmm. obviously a concern, particularly as the second last at Aintree as well, he's also a ditch. And when the heat's on, you've got to be able to jump that well at pace. Um, I think it claimed what I think it came Baylor last year, didn't it, when it overjumped and left the race That's for right, Chantry yeah. House. So it, it, it is a tricky fence, that one, um, when you're getting tired. So that's worth bearing in mind. Um, so, yeah, just on pure numbers, yeah, I think Lompress will win, in, in short, uh, without labouring what Rory's already said. Um, whether Again, whether I'll have a bet in this race is, is open to question, but um, for podcast purposes, Lompress is the pick. Lompresse, the pick six to four uh, for both the guys. We have four races left to cover. And uh, now we have the uh, formerly the Melling Chase, now the Marsh Chase, um, over just under two and a half miles. Uh, and Fakir Duderi is the 13 to eight favourite head of uh, Fulambiol Savola at six to one. So Royale, nine to one. Captain Guinness, 10 to one, along with All Mankind and Mr. Fisher. St. Calvados, uh, 12 to one. Hitman, 14 to one. 20 to one bar. 10 runners here, Andy. Uh, take us away. Yeah, I mean, we should never fall into the into the uh, category of backing horses because we like them. Um, you know, it's a one-way ticket to the poorhouse. Um, you, you've got to you've got to take an objective view. But there is something just very pleasing on the eye uh, and, and heartwarming about Fakir Duderis. Um, I think he's been very well campaigned, by the way, by Joe Zvobar, and he's he's recognised that you know he he wants to try and avoid Alaho at all costs. Yes, he took him on at Thurlis early on in the season, but he didn't take him on at Cheltenham. He didn't want to fall into that category again. Um, but, um, yeah, other, other than that, he's, he's been blemish-free this season. He was good at um, Clonmel early on in the year, good at Ascot when, you know, that was a proper test that day, outstaying two, two for gold, who really dogged it out from the front and he, he, he got the better of him. Just like I say, showing his real qualities and his, his, his attitude, he's all there. And um, Obviously, he's won at this track before. He's fresh and well. You know, he's had 42 days break. So there should be no excuses on that front. The only problem is the price, of course. Everyone else has cottoned onto it. The bookmaker's not going to give you any, um, you know, dangle too many carrots here at sort of seven to four. Uh, so again, it's, it's one of those days where, you, you know, you've got the likes of John Bond, you've got the, the long presses, and, and there Fakir Duda is. The obvious standout horses on figures and form and the way that they've been campaigned. Um, I'd love to be able to come up with something imaginative that I thought was a value alternative but if I can't then it's no problem trying to go down that route so I'll leave that to Rory if he's got something else that he'd like to throw his cap into the ring with but I'm I'm just going to play with a straight back with this one as well with Fakir Duduris Rory take it away yeah lots of lots of negatives um, for other horses coming into this and of course Fakir Duduri won this last season and missed Cheltenham this time around to come here fresh again he did have a hard race at Ascot last time right? those are pretty tough conditions um, but you know that's uh, also an issue for for uh, one or two who are behind him that day. So he yeah, he makes um he makes plenty of appeal at the top of the market. But I probably will have a little bit of a dig each way against him, uh, not because I think he's he's particularly weak, because, but his short price means there is uh, potential place value there. A lot of these simply don't stay beyond two miles. But you know there's no other there's no alternative until um until the end of the month. So a, a lot of those um, who look like two milers are, are worth giving a chance at this trip too um but i'm not particularly keen to back any of them all mankind would have made loads of appeal if he'd come here fresh as dan skelton said he would 
when he won it, um, and he won the old run earlier in the season, Dan Skelton said he will have one run and then he will run in the Melling chase at Aintree. And I thought that's a bold call so early in the season because I'm not going to be tempted to take him to Cheltenham. I'm going to give him one prep and then the Melling chase. And then he's run two absolute stinkers in, in races you wouldn't have thought he would have gone for. He's run them in the, um, uh, in the Peterborough chase at Huntington quite reasonably quickly, really, after the uh, uh, after entry. When I th- I'd have thought, you know, he'd have been looking at a spring campaign, so a prep run maybe in February uh, at Newbury and then here. And then he's run him over hurdles in the um, in the National Spirit. He ran a horrible race there. So he's a hard horse to be confident about now. Whereas I think if he'd come in here having not run since October, he'd probably be about a seven to two chance, wouldn't he? Um, but he's difficult to back at the moment. Um, this is his trip and this is his track as well, but hard to back him with confidence. I really like Funambul Sivala as a horse, but he's shown twice this season that he doesn't stay two and a half miles. Mm. Um Hitman's not a horse I can absolutely trust. Listen, you can you can make a case for Hitman, uh, particularly based on his um uh his second at uh, at Exeter uh, in November, but I've never warmed to him as a horse. And again, I'm a, a little bit wary of of backing uh uh Nichols horses. Um Mr. Fisher was well behind um the favorite last time at Ascot, and he seems to save all his good runs for grade twos. He's a very good horse in grade two company. When he's raised to grade ones, he just falls apart. Uh, so he's a hard horse to, uh, to fancy here. So Calvados, I could make a case for if he hadn't run at Ascot. And, and Paul Nichols pulled him out of the uh, of the Ryanair because of the ground, which is a, an absolutely bizarre um, standpoint. Um, although, in fairness, he made the point before Cheltenham. He said um, when St. Calvados ran badly at Ascot and he burst a blood vessel that day, Paul Nichols said, mm. I don't think he wants to go right-handed and I don't think he wants soft ground. But he'd run two huge races in the King George. The last two King Georges, he's looked the best horse on the race both times, but just a non-stayer. So the fact that he, the idea he doesn't want soft ground has been disproven by the fact that he was deemed to be a heavy ground specialist um, in his early days for Harley Whittington. And the idea he doesn't want to go right-handed is kind of blown up by the fact that he's shaped so well on those King Georges. Yeah. So Paul pulls him out of, of the, <clears throat> the Ryanair, which means he's reasonably fresh here. And of course, you know, whether you could have backed him in that race, given that he pulled up at Ascot and he, and he burst a blood vessel, I could see him bouncing back because I think he is the best two and a half miler um, in Britain and has been for the last two seasons. But he's missed two Ryanairs. He missed the Ryanair in 2021 because the ground was uh, too quick for him, good to soft. And he missed it this year because it was too soft for him, soft. So there, <laughs> there is literally no ground that suits him, according to two different trainers. I don't really believe that. I think he'd be absolutely fine on good or soft or soft ground here. It's just a case of whether that Ascot run has put a hole in him. And again, the issue with whether you really want to be piling at the Paul Nichols horses, but he's, he's 12 to one. And for a horse who is, in my opinion, the, the best the best um, uh, race horse over this trip in the UK, that's too big a price. So I could risk him at that. And the other snidey bet you could have, although I think a few people have caught on to already, is Paint the Dream, who will love conditions um ran the race of his life to win by by um, an easy 15 lengths at Newbury last time out um and is liable to run his race whereas a few of these you can see running flat or not staying the trip or or disappointing for various reasons whereas paint the dream is liable to run his race is coming off a career best run um but he you know if he hadn't run at Newbury he would have been 66 to 1 and I probably would have backed him at that because I like paint the dream and I think he would have been suited by this race um but now I think there's a chance that he he gets overbet 
Um, 20 to 1, I think, is fair enough. Um, but I can see him being 14s or 16s because I think he, he's, he has the look of sort of a wise guy horse about him. And I know a few people who've backed him at the big prices when the market opens. Uh, and that makes an awful lot of sense. You have to realize that there's a minimum price for a horse like that as well. And I think we're getting close to that at the moment. Um, so if you're getting 20s or more, I wouldn't put you off. Um, if you're taking 12s or 14s, you've got to look at his overall rating and, and where he fits in the race as well. So it's a, it, you know, it's a value call. But worse horses than him have... have um, have run well on this race in the past. Paint the dream 20 to one pretty much across the board. St. Carvados 12 to one uh, with Paddy's Betfair and Bet Victor. Um, on then to the 405. Uh, it is the Topham, the Topham handicap chase. Uh, we heard from Rory in the in the first show in the Thursday preview that this was a, a race that he uh, liked to try and solve. So we'll come to him after we've heard from Andy. But Mr. Coffee is the 10 to 1 favourite, head of five star getaway at 12s alongside Senior Citizen. Uh, fantastic Lady, Killer Clown, both 14 to 1, Sizing Potsy and Royal Rendezvous and Mac Totti in Spirit of the Games, all 16 to 1. Uh, Notebook 20s, Pink Eyed Pedro 20s, Batgo uh, 20s with Palmer's Hill and Tamarok to Matan and uh, Janika. 22 to 1 bigger than that. I'm not going to go through all 30, Andy. Um, but who have no. you fallen on for the top? Of Luckily, neither am I. Um, <laughs> I'll be here all day. Um, yeah, I, I, look, you know, it's fairly straightforward formula to this race is to look towards horses that, that have been around the track before. Um, several stand out. Obviously, Peter Bowen, you have to respect him. He's, I think, four of the last 14 winners have gone to Peter Bowen. So, like to Mac Totti and Frankie de Burley, certainly come onto the shortlist. And, and Mac Totti won over the fence early in the season. But Chasing him home was um, um, senior citizen who has, has got two really good runs under his belt around this track. So he clearly likes the Aintree fences. Um, and I thought he ran really well last year behind um, the very well handicapped Love Live Laugh. I think, I can't remember who did the podcast with him. It might have been, been Rory himself mm-hmm. who did it. We both agreed on, on Love um, Live Love Laugh. Um, but I thought, he, I thought he ran as well as ever. Um, nothing wrong with his run behind Mac Totti. Probably on that sort of verging into sort of winter soft. I think there's a difference between the, 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 the drying soft that we got here last year and, and the winter soft going into, into the autumn period that um, when he took part against McTotty. Again, the ground had been too soft for him last time out, but he ran another good race around a similar track for configuration. Uber behind the aforementioned paint the dream. And he looks as though he's been prepared, especially for this. You know, it's blatantly obvious, you know, there's not many races that can run him on, run him in. Um, he's had a big break since that run. He had a bigger break between the, the, the November run and the one at Newbury. Uh, and the faster the ground, the better for him. So if they don't get too much rain, and there isn't too much predicted between now and Friday, the better the chances of Alan King's horse. And Alan King's also in good form at the moment. He's chasers, he's hurdlers, and he's flat horses. Or he, you know, he's Major Dundee, ran a blinder in the in the Scottish National the other day. Um, so yeah, th- this might well be he's, he's down in the sun. And whichever way you strip it down, at sort of was it 12 10 12 to 1 you can get sort of six seven eight even i think you have eight places as well yeah eight, eight, sky back go eight places but they're 10 to 1 but i'm sure others are gonna follow suit fairly quickly but 12 to well, 1 with it all depends how, how sort of brave or unbrave you want to be really i mean i'd be more than happy to take 12 to 1 six places if that's available mm. so yeah senior citizen um for me with favorable mentions for mac totti and the horse that finished um place last year as well pink eye pedro um he fell the last day over hurdles, which was a bit uncharacteristic of him, but he's the kind of horse that always always finishes in the frame. So he's definitely one for play spots. Senior Citizen, 12 to 1, as we said. Mac Totti, 16 to 1. That standout with Coral and Labrooks uh, and Pink Eyed Pedro, 21, 20 to 1. 
pretty much across the boards. Um, who have you fallen on here for the top and Rory? Oh, well, remarkably similar to Andy, but a, but a slightly different <laughs> result in the end. Uh, same process. Uh, I've gone with Mac Totty, um, who beat Senior Citizen here in the Grand Sefton over course and distance, and is actually four pounds better off um, because he, he's disappointed since. Well, he, he, he ran here in the Beecher um, in December, um, and the yard had been very, very quiet since he won. Uh, typically, Peter Bowen's uh, stable tends to flourish kind of from this meeting onwards. He's got a very good record in this race. And then he, do, he does very well through the summer um, races like the um, uh, the summer plates uh, tend to come up. There's the the, uh, the handicaps at market raisin. Um, and then the winter months tend to be poor months for Peter Bowen as a rule. So when the sun comes out again, we see spring. That's when you tend to get a, um, an upturn in fortunes. So I'd be I'd kind of ignore what Mac Toddy has done in, in recent starts. Um, and hark back to what he did here in November uh, when winning over course and distance on good to soft ground off the same mark. Um, and we've seen before, you know, always winning, won this race three times. And I, I think the second time he won it, he would have, he was 66 to one in the morning um, and you couldn't fancy him on the form that he'd shown. Mm. But what you, what you find was that every time these horses of Peter's come, came back to entry, they just bounced right back to form. So I, I think that would be... Um, That'll be the same with uh, with Mac Totty and probably with Frankie de Perlet as well. Again, who's run poorly on his last um, his last couple of starts, um, and who was actually behind um, uh, Mac Totty here in November, but he had good form early in the summer on quicker ground. If there was no rain, I'd give him a chance, but I suspect it's going to be you know on the soft side of good at the very best, and that will suit Mac Totty slightly better. Um, so my thought is the obvious one of the two, but I quite like the booking of Brendan Powell for Frankie de Berlay, and I'd probably I'll toss a couple of quid at him um, at, at big prices. Um, but my totty uh, appeals on, on plenty of fronts. Um, one horse that I probably would have backed, but for um, an absolutely bizarre decision to run him at Cheltenham is Discordantly, who's not a horse I've liked enormously, but he showed at Leopardstown in his penultimate start that connections have been getting him wrong. He doesn't want three miles plus in the mud he wants he wants reasonably good ground and two mile five you know two sorry two and a half you know that that kind of intermediate trip and he bounced <laughs> right back to form when making most of the running to score at leopardstown under robbie parr um early in march and connection said afterwards and kit harrington said straight after the race we've got this horse wrong we've had him pegged as a stare but actually his only two wins over fences have come over this trip when ridden forward and that's what we'll do with him in the future and then they ran him in the um in the ultimate cheltenham i just think that's a that's an awful um preparation for this race if they just if they'd given him a break and brought him back for this he would have been a big player but i, I don't think you know he went on the, he ran in the ultimate and ran a stinker um unsurprisingly um he's a moody horse he just seemed to be getting his confidence back in his previous start he might bounce back again, but that puts me off. And if he didn't, if he hadn't run at Cheltenham, I, I probably would have had him on my short list for this race. But given given that they went and ran him over three miles one again, and he had a bad experience, it puts me off backing him again here. Uh, discordantly put off 33 to one, but certainly not a selection there for Rory. But Frankie de Burley, 40 to one. Uh, that is with Paddy's and Betfair, but the main selection uh, for him is Mac Totty, 16 to 1, as I said, and also a positive mention from Andy as well. Uh, on to the 440, the Sefton Novices Hurdle. Uh, Bambridge is the 130 favourite ahead of Sky Tastic at 6 to 1, Crystal Glory 8 to 1, uh, Jolino Bello uh, 8 to 1 as it stands, Green Book 10 to 1, Staghorn 12 to 1, uh, Duca Bronte 12 to 1, 14 to 1 bar, Andy. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be quite hopeful um, of um, of one in this race at, 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 a, at a nice price. Not quite the price that he was uh, when I put it up Monday, but Crystal Glory um, was the anchor leg of my um, each way lucky 15 that the guys at the head office got me to do. Um, I was just scanning through the prices and looking at p- potential ricks, if you like, um, ahead at advance of um, some races that might cut up and withdraw. You know, there'll be one or two withdrawals here, then everywhere. And I just couldn't understand why Crystal Glory at time recording or time when I did it was 20 to 1, considering that Green Book was 12 to 1. He absolutely lapped that horse at Haydock um, in, in that real grueling um, test behind. Um, Hillcrest. Now, Hillcrest was quite predictably disappointing at Cheltenham. He just didn't fancy it. He, he's probably remembered that race because he had such a bruising encounter at, at the uh, Merseyside track that he thought uh, sold this for a game of soldiers when he got to Cheltenham. Um, but Crystal Glory's had that extra time to recover, uh, albeit he didn't get involved in the in the scrimmaging for the early pace. It was a race that was obviously fought out from the front, they're like a high stakes, Green Book and, and Hillcrest all kept having a go at each other. But Crystal Glory started on really well. And I noticed he finished 41 lengths ahead of a horse that I quite like, called Scipion, who won next time out at Chepstow the other day um, for the, for the um, Tom Lacey uh, stable. And Scipion's now back number. He was he, he ran really well in that good race at Warwick early on in the season. I think he finished second that day. So it was a real examination of a horse's stamina. Um, and Crystal Glory came through it in flying colours. So we know he stays the trip. He's got a progressive profile. Um, I think the ground will be absolutely ideal for him. You know, it won't be too too soft um, or too quick come Friday. Um, yeah, I just think he's a horse. He's a horse that I like, and although he's not because he's not going to be the price that I hoped he might be, um, he's still around about the eight to one mark, which doesn't look um, too bad. Obviously, Bambridge is a deserved favourite off the back of his win at Cheltenham. I kick myself for not putting him up. Um, in that boys race because he was one on my shortlist but I somehow managed to talk myself out of it close to the day that was a schoolboy error um, and you know you, you've got to respect Skytastic as well as clearly going the right way but I think Crystal Glory other than Banbridge brings the best graded form into the race um, there's no doubt about that in my mind so 8-1 to one each way looks a fair shout for me Crystal Glory 8-1 to one, uh, there with Paddy's Betfair 888 and a couple of others spoils as well uh, Rory um I don't have a I don't have a tremendously strong view on the race, but the one horse I thought would outrun his odds is my Bobby Dazzler, who's um, certainly north of twenty to one. Uh, X pointer for um, uh, for Mel Rowley, course and distance winner by a wide margin um, in December. That was on heavy ground. I don't think he needs the heavy ground. He was he was just well handicapped there. He was racing off a mark of one hundred and eighteen. He won by twenty one lengths uh, without being asked to do too much. I was impressed by that. And he's then finished um, fourth in a really warm handicap hurdle at Cheltenham in his next start. Um, again, having gone up to a mark of one three two, he was um, just a couple of lengths behind Botox Ha that day, who went on and won the National Spirit Hurdle at Formwell in his next start. Uh, Dolphin Square and Kansas City Chief came into it in very good form off wins and dominated the finish. Um, but you had decent horses in behind who've, who've, um, who've franked the form since as well. He was disappointing. I put him up. Um, a Doncaster in the um, the River Dawn, not the River Dawn. Yes, it is the River Dawn. On his next start, I thought he would run really well there, and he ran okay. He was third behind Mahler Mission and the Real Whacker, but I thought he would run better than that. He was backed into favoritism, and it turns out he struck into himself on the race, um, suffered an overreach, and I think he's a little bit better than that form suggests. 
Um, and given he's got form at the track before, um, has got plenty of experience for a novice and stays well, I thought he would hit the frame. Um, and he would need to do better than he did last time out if he's going to do that. But I think his overall form suggests that there's a bigger performance in him. And I can see him bouncing back and, and hitting the frame at, you know, 20, 25 to 1. Yeah, 25 to 1 best price as it stands uh, there for Rory's selection. Uh, on then to the final race on the day of the Friday. Uh, no prices here, sadly. So just going to ask you guys if there's any any uh, horses to basically keep an eye on as prices come out in the um, Park Palace Ponies handicap hurdle. Um, no point me running through the runners here. Andy, I'll, I'll hand over to you if anyone that the listeners and viewers should keep an eye on. Uh, I assume you know, it's 5 to 1 now. Price is probably coming out around 4.35 o'clock. Yeah, very doubtful I'll be putting anything up in this race. Um, but yeah, just maybe want to keep an eye on who clocked a good number last time out from a stable in good form. That's on, pub- on public. Oliver Greenall's also in good form. Things have four winners recently. These last two horses have both won. Took ages for Oliver to get his horses into top gear, but on, on public was one of the ones that sort of kickstart that t- trend. Um, quite like the lad who rides it as well, Toby Wynn. Um, his figure, like I say, his figure when he won at Newcastle was extraordinarily good for the grade. So. Um, he'd be one I'd be mildly interested at, but I'd probably pass it over to Rory. He might have a stronger view than me. Rory, I do have a stronger view, but it's on the same horse. Um, <laughs> I, I, I made I made on public my my nap of the uh, of the meeting at a, at a, a preview I did last night. He's a he's a horse I liked a lot as a juvenile. I I napped him at Cheltenham last year because um, um, I thought his his French form tied in very well with horses who are much short. He was a tw- sort of 25, 28 to one anti post for the Fred Winter. And I thought his French form looked really good, but he just ran, he ran appallingly. Um, and although he's, he gradually got his form back this season, but he still hadn't, still hadn't found the same level of form as he had in France. And then um, I, I, I was with him last time at Newcastle. I thought the drop in grade would see him bounce back. And he was really impressive. He really found his form. He was given a lovely ride by Toby Wynn into that um, to sort of come from off the pace. He jumped well. He seemed to take a lot of confidence from it as well. And I know that he's got the ability to defy a, a rise in the weights. This is one of the weaker races at the meeting. But I get the impression that Ollie Greenall, who's a pretty shrewd handler, um, has had this race in mind for a long time. Hence, Toby riding him last time out, because this is a race for conditionals and amateurs. Um, and I, I suspect that um, this is a, a race that uh, that Ollie is, has uh, mapped out a while ago for, for on public. The handicapper has emerged and he's back up to 125, which is an eight-pound rise. But that was a well-contested race at Newcastle, despite the fact that it was a lower grade. And um, the form that he was showing last season before Cheltenham suggested this mark of 125 is very fair. And um, uh, Toby Wins has, has impressed me. His um, his striker this season must be pretty good under rules because um, he's um, <clears throat> six from 38 this season. But um, he's he's ridden a few winners and looked looked very competent. Uh, for the Green All Yard this season. And I think he's got a, a very big chance in a pretty ordinary contest. Good chance in an ordinary contest for En Public. Uh, what kind of price would you be hoping um, for? Well, that's the tricky one. Um, anything in double figures would be would be very interesting. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a very hard race to, to price up. And I can see some, I can see some odds compilers um, looking at that race and saying, you know, that it was a it was a class four at Newcastle, but, you know, those handicaps don't tend to be very strong. And putting him in at, at sixteen to one, but I can also see people seeing the promise and that looking at the form that he showed last year and putting him in as sort of second favourite here. So I, I'll be keeping a very close eye on 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 who goes up first with this. 
uh, and I can see whoever go, decides to go up with the, oh, that was a weak race last time, I'm, I'm putting him in double figures, getting hit very, very quickly. Um, uh, and, you know, hopefully there tends to be agreement among firms about these races. And sometimes they all agree uh, on prices that are too big. So uh, I'll be, <laughs> I will be hoping that that's, that's what happens here. Um, but yeah, I'll be refreshing my screen uh, throughout the afternoon and trying to nab the, uh, the early prices. Roy, I'll text you producer Liam's number and you can drop him a message asking for a slow edit so it doesn't come out in time. Yeah, uh, yeah on public, a strong one there uh, before we get prices out in the last on Friday from Rory. Um, thank you very much to Rory and to Andy for sharing their insight on both Thursday and Friday's racing at Aintree. We're going to be recording a, a Saturday preview as well tomorrow, so keep your eyes peeled for that. If you haven't listened or watched Thursday's uh, then do go back and do that now. Um, some great insight from both Andy and, and Rory and some strong joint selections as well back in there. So fingers crossed those go well. Fingers crossed for some winners in today as well. Do uh, download the Checker app so you can get the best prices, bookie offers, free bets and everything else straight to the app, including Andy's tips every morning of racing. Thanks to the guests again. Thank you to thank you to you for watching and to listening uh, to this um, and please do as ever ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Mm-hmm.